And welcome on in to CBS Sports Radio. It is Ryan Hickey here with you on a Tuesday. Welcome. Thank you. Uh, appreciate you for making us a part of this Tuesday. Where else? We're right here on CBS Sports Radio. A busy one. And news that we learned today is sad, but not exactly shocking. That's that Justin Herbert had surgery on his broken finger, on his throwing hand, out for the rest of the season. Now, that should, right, be the final nail in the coffin, you would think, for Brandon Staley. I don't see how he is surviving this, how he is back in 2024. I think he's going to be fired at the end of the season. But now that puts the focus on the upcoming head coaching search for the Chargers. If they screw this up again, I'm not kidding. They are closing the Super Bowl window for Justin Herbert with the Chargers. If they they hire Brandon Staley 2.0, and we are sitting here three years from now, the Super Bowl window for Herbert in L.A. is shut. It's not opening anytime soon. It's done. Here's why. If they do make a mistake and hire a bad head coach, number one, he's not going to be fired immediately. The Spanos family, for lack of a better word, is cheap. You can use frugal. You can use patient. A lot of ways to dress it up. That's what they are. So they're not going to hire a new head coach while also paying Brandon Staley, right, whatever they owe him for the rest of his contract, and then fire a new coach after a year, maybe even two, right? It's not going to be like Frank Reich in Carolina where he gets 11 games. It's not going to be like Nathaniel Hackett one and done in Denver. I think bare minimum, the next head coach, good or bad, but obviously in this case bad, is getting three years. So now you look at, okay, Justin Herbert's going to be 28 years old by the time this next coach, if he's bad, is fired. He's going to be into the meat of his contract extension, which means that it's going to be tough to add good players to the roster because he's going to be taking up such a large chunk of it. And you're making 55, 60, I believe the last year of his extension, it's like $71 million he's scheduled to make. Good luck, even with the cap going up every year. Good luck trying to field an elite roster with your quarterback getting $70 million a year. So in three years from now, Herbert's going to be approaching 30 in the meat of his contract extension while also, again, having right now an aging roster. That's going to have to be turned over. So it doesn't feel like if you are right now the Chargers – and you get this wrong as we speak, you're not coming back from it. You swing and a miss on what is going to be your third head coach in the Herbert era, slam that window shut. Herbert is not winning a Super Bowl with the Chargers in LA. That is why this hire is not just important for the Chargers. It is important for the rest of the NFL. It truly does shape the next five to ten years of the NFL landscape. You have right now a young, promising, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in Herbert who's just 25 years old. While it is an attractive job just because of that, if you get a good head coach, I think you immediately go to Super Bowl contention. Like this roster needs help. It's not very, it's not as easy as plug and play. Oh, you get a good offensive minded head coach. Boom, now you're a Super Bowl contender. Because, yes, the most important position 
and the sport is figured out in Herbert at quarterback. But look around the rest of the roster, especially offensively. You have an aging wide receiver in Keenan Allen who's going to be uh, 32 years old next year. You only get worse as you get older, not better. Mike Williams is always hurt. Quentin Johnston, not been very good this year, to say the least. To, to put it very nicely, it's a Tuesday. Let's feel good. Let's keep morale high. He has been a disappointment. Austin Eckler has been a massive disappointment, and it feels inevitable he's on a new team in 2024. And your defense got a lot of big names. You got zero, though, production. So this is not an easy job. It's an attractive job, not an easy one. I just highlighted there's a lot of holes on this roster that have to be solved, that have to be fixed. But if you hire the right, the right head coach, I think you could turn this around pretty fast and be Super Bowl contenders before you know it. Which is why if I'm the Chargers, seeing how important this hire is, seeing how the trajectory of your team and really the rest of the league could change based on who you hire. I am not taking a risk. I'm not hiring a first-time head coach because I'm not risking that that offensive coordinator, let's just say, or quarterback coach, I don't want to know if he's a bust or not. I need answers. Like, you tried with Anthony Lynn, didn't work. You tried with Brandon Staley, didn't work. This is the point. Going into now year number five of Justin Herbert with the Chargers next year. This is the point where you need a known commodity. No more risks. So, look, Ben Johnson seems promising. Right? That's a guy, uh, Lions offensive coordinator. His name is going to be on the top of probably every, if not almost every, head coach opening. We're going to see this cycle. With that said, let someone else hire him. I can't risk him being a, a total bust and being Josh McDaniels 2.0. I can't risk it. He could be Mike McDaniel 2.0. But I don't know. And I don't want to find out. I need a known commodity. If I'm the Chargers, there are five names on my list and five names only. Here they are. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Brian Dayball, Shane Sykin. You call those four teams. You make an offer they can't refuse. Draft picks. Players. I don't care what it takes. Outside of trading Herbert, everyone is on the table. Everyone is up for grabs. I try to do whatever I can to get one of the best offensive minds, play callers, and coaches that know how to do more with less in Psych and Dave on McVay Shanahan. If I can't, if all four of those teams say, no, you're crazy, don't call me again. The fifth and final name I am calling is Jim Harbaugh. I'm calling Jim, who I know desperately wants to get back to the NFL. I'm giving him... I mean, I probably don't even need to make him an offer he can't refuse because, again, I think Harbaugh is desperate to come back, so I think he's willing to to leave at a discount, let's say, Michigan, just to get back in the NFL game and, and I think, avoid the inevitable S-storm uh, that's coming Michigan's way with the NCAA after the season. But Jim Harbaugh is someone who is a winner everywhere he goes. San Diego, Stanford. 49ers, Michigan. Sure, is he, you know, does he rub people the wrong ways? He may be a tough personality to get along with? Sure. 
Suck it up. I don't care. Guy wins games. Guy knows how to develop quarterback talent. Guy knows how to develop an offense and run an offense and cater an offense to that specific quarterback and that specific team. I'm bringing Jim Harbaugh in, and I'm having him run this team. You got Justin Herbert, best quarterback you've ever had. Go make it happen. Go have some fun. Let's see what we can do here. Those are the five names. That's it from the Chargers. I need known commodities. McVay, Dayball, Steichen, Shanahan. Are they realistic? Probably not. Shanahan, I think, is by far the least likely. Dayball, I could see the Giants, though, taking a first-round pick for Brian Dayball, considering some of the infighting they've had. And right now, I think the Giants need more talent than they do um, anything else. I think they would be maybe open to it. All this, this resurgence, maybe they'll think twice about it. Colts, I don't think would trade Shane Steichen. The Rams, I think you couldn't. You're gonna need to convince McVay first, and have him then convince Les Snead and the Rams ownership. But I mean, this is someone that has hinted at retirement, has flirted with the broadcast booth. If he does like coaching and wants to be a little bit reinvigorated. I love Matthew Stafford. Big Stafford fan. How long is he going to be around? With that cap it, is he going to even be in L.A. next year? I have no idea. I got no clue. So if they decide to move off Stafford or maybe McVay sees the writing on the wall if he's got one good year left, but I could leave, stay in the town I'm in, by the way, just go to a different job with the Chargers and now work with a 25-year-old stud quarterback, yeah, maybe I'll like go to work a little bit more every day. I'll do whatever it takes on the Chargers to make sure one of those four guys are coaching my team next year. And again, if they say no, or their team say no, Jim Harbaugh. That's it. There's no risk you could take here if you are the Chargers. You can't try out a first-time head coach. There is no retread in the NFL that I see worth it. Nathaniel Hackett, I mean... Honestly, if they hire Nathan, not saying that they will. This is just a, a random retread name out there. But like, if they hire Nathaniel Hackett, fold with the franchise. I, I'm not kidding. Justin Herbert should retire, go to the USFL, go play arena football, whatever it takes. You can't play under Hackett's watch. So there's no retread NFL head coach out there that is sexy. Cliff Kingsbury, hell no. There's not an offensive coordinator. That would be a first-time head coach that I would feel comfortable giving the reins over to. That I feel like would be a, a sure thing. If you're the Chargers, the days of, of trying to be cheap, trying to see what happens, are over. Bring one of these five guys in. Let them take over your entire franchise. Not just be the head coach, but have them involved in roster development. Have them uh, you know, involved in even just like overall team decisions. That good ownership makes that bad owners know how to screw up. Because the Spanish families, like, they have constantly gotten in the way of the Chargers. The Chargers, every year, it's the same thing. Got a lot of talent. How can they miss the playoffs this year? And they inevitably miss the playoffs. If they make the playoffs, oh, they're a dangerous team. Watch out for L.A. In previous times, watch out for San Diego. And what happens? Bounce early in the playoffs. They are the kings of... Under uh, of overhype and uh, underwhelm. Really butchered that one. Overhype, underwhelm. Overpromise, underdeliver. They're everyone's August darlings.
And by December, they're a laughingstock. That needs to change, especially now going into year number five. The sense of urgency for the Chargers has to be off the charts. Off the charts. You can't play around anymore. You can't hope that this works out. You got a quarterback right now going into year number five with one playoff appearance and zero playoff wins, despite being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL since he came into the league. Fix it. And it starts at a head coach, and it starts at getting a known commodity. And if you get a known commodity, again, you look around, the AFC is open. We're talking about changing the trajectory of the league. It works in two ways. I think if it's bad, I think you're seeing Justin Herbert out the door by the time that, you know, he's 30 years old. If it works out, we're talking about a Super Bowl contender in L.A. in what is a right now open AFC where every team has vulnerabilities that are not getting fixed in one offseason. I have a question about every single team in the AFC going forward, including the Chiefs. Chiefs got to get wide receiver fixed. That's not easy. That's not easy whatsoever, and they got to get a replacement soon for Travis Kelsey, who is 34 and not getting any younger. So even a team that seemed invincible in your own division now has warts that make it seem like, oh, wow, we are you know, we're a few players away, and especially one head coach away from pushing the Chiefs to win the division and being one of the best teams in the conference. And if you get it right, we may be talking about in a year or two the Chargers as the team to be in the AFC. That's how I think monumental this hire is and why it's so important for LA to get it right and why they can't afford, I think, to risk it on a first-time head coach. Could work out. Could be Mike McDaniel, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay 2.0. Ben Johnson. You know, whoever you want to list out there that's, other, you know, who else out there that's a hot coordinator name um, that you want to talk about, they could be great. They also could flame out and, and fail like we've seen a lot of other coaches do, especially first-time coaches. I'm not taking the risk. you got to get this right right now if you are the Chargers. That's why it's McVay. It's Shanahan. It's Steichen. It's Dayball. Or it's Jim Harbaugh. Known commodities. That is it for the Chargers. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. Social media at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three. How important is this hire for the loss Angeles Chargers. Is this a situation where they get it wrong? Are they just in perpetual hell? They get it right. Do you see a fast turnaround here? Do you have a name that you says, oh, that's the perfect fit right now for LA? 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. When we return. Speaking of great coaches, another coach put on a big-time clinic Last night on Monday Night Football, that puts him in a category by himself. So who that coach is and why when we do return, it is Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's Hick at Night with Ryan Hickey. Welcome back in CBS Sports Radio. Ryan Hickey, yours truly with you on a Tuesday. Thank you for making us a part of it. 
We are talking right now this hour. The future at head coach for the Los Angeles Chargers. A massive hiring at stake here for the Spanos family. That, that will determine their future going forward. They get this right. We're talking about Super Bowl contenders for the Chargers for next 5, 10 years. You get this wrong. I think we're going to see the exit of, of Justin Herbert here. Maybe before he's 30 years old. He's sitting there right now at 25. You are talking about slamming the Super Bowl window shut. Locking it up. I know there's no key, but throwing the key away. Just play along with me. And having no chance right now if you fail again for the third time in a row in hiring the right head coach for Justin Herbert. You are not winning a Super Bowl with the Chargers with Herbert. So we are talking right now head uh, Chargers head coaching options here. I think there are only five names on the list. They're all names you know, and they're all names that absolutely the Chargers could get. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Brian Dayball, Shane Sykin, and then the one non-current NFL head coach, Jim Harbaugh. Those are it. Those are the five guys that should be on the Chargers list. They call all five. In the case of the first four, Shanahan, McVay, Dayball, Steichen, you offer picks to those respective teams. You offer players. You do whatever it takes to try to get one of those four guys as your next head coach. For Harbaugh, you give him an offer he can't refuse. You get head coach right, I think you are in a tremendous spot going forward. You get it wrong, you're screwed. Simple as that. 855-212-4227. What is the best name you have right now that you think could absolutely solve the Chargers' woes? And for the first time, I mean, honestly, in my lifetime, I'm 29 years old. First time in my lifetime. Make them actual, legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Ben has some thoughts. Colin from Santa Rosa. Hello, Ben. Hey, Ryan. How you doing? Good, good, man. What's going on? What's on your mind? Hey, uh, the coaches, that list of coaches you have there, how many combined rings do they have? Um, One, if I did my math correct. Okay. So why not Belichick? I would. I think the game's passing by, to be honest, Ben. I don't trust him. <laughs> so you would take a combined, a combined list of rings, one ring, as opposed to a guy who's won six. Yes, because those six came with Tom Brady, and we have not seen Bill Belichick come close in multiple years without Tom Brady of even fielding a, a playoff-caliber team, let alone a Super Bowl-caliber team. And if I'm the Chargers, I'm not risking uh, figuring out if he's a good coach or not still. I don't want to risk that. Have someone else figure it out for me. Okay. Just wanted to run. Just so you're not concerned, throw. Ben. You're, you look at Bill Belichick. You look at how he's drafted, how he's put this offense together. You're not concerned about his ability to, to still win win games consistently here? Not with the top quarterback. You're, you think you could put good talent around that quarterback? Yes. Okay. I mean, that's your opinion. I, I disagree wholeheartedly. I think we have enough evidence from the draft, from free agency, from trades for numerous years to show you, sure, you got the quarterback in Justin Herbert, but you look at right now the roster, right? You have Keenan Allen, who's 32 years old. He's only getting older. And that production's going to slip. Mike Williams is always hurt. Quinton Johnson has not right now lived up to a number one pick billing. Austin Eckler is going to leave uh, in free agency. You're going to have to remake that offense. Do I trust Bill Belichick right now to, to get that offense right? Hell no. I could be wrong. And you know what? Fine. If I'm wrong, hand up. But I'd rather be wrong with him in Carolina, with him in Washington, D.C., 
those teams find out. Because I think if you are, if I'm right and Bill doesn't have it anymore, can't get a Super Bowl contender ready to go, say bye-bye. Then you just, you shut the window on Justin Herbert. I'm not taking a risk. And by the way, trading a first-round pick for Bill, I have no problem trading a first-round pick for Shanahan, for McVay. I was wondering, even for Dable or Steichen, with what they're doing right now early on in their head coaching careers with the Giants and Colts respectively, I have no qualms about that. I do, though, right now with what I've seen from Bill the last few years. That is for damn sure. Brett's calling from the Bay Area. What's up, Brett? Ryan, how we doing, buddy? Good, Brett. What's on your mind, man? How we doing? Doing good. Uh, you know, I mean, step one problem with the chart. Go talk about top. Oh, Brett. Brett. That call right there was the Chargers. Excited. A lot of energy coming out. At least on the call screen, I had Sean McVay for the Chargers. I thought he was going to make a case for it. I was excited. A lot of lead up in, into it. All of a sudden, it's game time. Nowhere to be found. No execution. That If that ain't the epitome right there of the Chargers, if that ain't fitting for the Chargers when talking about them, I don't know what is. All right. It is Ryan Hickey right here on CBS Sports Radio. Speaking of great coaching, we saw it on full display last night. Mike Vrabel just put on an absolute clinic. And he, I think, showed last night why he's the only defensive coach I would hire to be my head coach. Like, now when you look at the NFL, you'd be a sucker right now, uh, right now honestly, to hire a defensive-minded head coach. It makes your life so much more difficult, even if you get it right, with then constantly having to shuffle through offensive coordinators because if your offense is looking good and you hit on a quarterback, team's going to hire away those offensive coordinators so you got to imagine, even for someone like D'Amico Ryans, who is so far looking promising in Houston, you're going to have to hire, in the next decade, what, three, four offense coordinators? As you're seeing right now in Buffalo, it's not easy to get those right. It is not easy whatsoever. You're going to have a miss or two, and that's going to be detrimental to your team. So I think it only makes sense, right now, if you're a, a team with a head coach opening, to go offensive-minded, offensive Background. Look at the playoffs right now. 14 playoff teams, right? 10 right now holding current playoff spots. 10 out of the 14 are coached by offensive-minded head coaches. Vrabel, though, is the only coach I would make an exception for because he's got some offensive savvy to him. He may be a defensive guy. He may look rough, be you know, rough and tumble, want to win with physicality. He is slowly, though, learning some savviness, and we saw it on full display Monday night. Down by 14. You score the first touchdown. Most times, people would say what? Kick the extra point. You're down by seven. Get a stop. Get the ball back. Tie the game. Go to overtime. What did Mike Vrabel do? He said, you know what? Screw that. Let's be aggressive here. Let's give ourselves a chance to win this game right now in regulation. So after scoring the first touchdown with two minutes and 40 seconds left to go, he went for two. Down by eight, he went for two. And you know what? I'm not a personally a big analytics guy, but that, to me, the math checks out. That makes sense. If you get it, all of a sudden, now you're down six, an extra point wins you the game, which, in this case, it did if you're the Titans. If you miss, you're down by still one score, and you have another two-point conversion attempt to tie the game. So basically, if two two-point conversion attempts, you got to hit one in order to win the game, bare minimum, tie the game. 
that is the right logic. And that is, again, you rarely see that from offensive-minded head coaches, let alone defensive-minded head coaches. But that's the offensive savviness I'm talking about that separates him from everyone else. He just cut a corner to help his team win a game they had truly no business winning. They gave the ball away, a lot of dumb turnovers, and they still found a way to win, despite being the less talented team, even with Tyreek Hill out of the game. And he's shown right now, it's early, there's still a lot of time to go, but he's shown right now a good development approach with Will Levis. Will Levis has been, so far, functional, first rookie quarterback ever to throw for 300 yards on Monday Night Football. Did that yesterday. Four touchdowns in his first ever game uh, as a rookie against the Falcons a few weeks ago. Like, he has been, I think, better um, than I anticipated, that's for sure. And I think Vrabel deserves some credit for that in terms of developing him along, having him ready to go when the time came that he comes into playing. He can at least be confident and give you something. So you don't really see that a lot from, again, defensive-minded head coaches. And I think you are right now at a disadvantage if you go defensive-minded just because so many of the best teams in the league are driven by an offensive-minded coach. And again, that's three, four, five offensive coordinators if you're successful. you got to cycle through in a 10-year period because everyone, as soon as you're good, is going to hire your offensive coordinator away. Whereas, obviously, if you have an offensive-minded head coach, you don't got, don't got to worry about that as much. It makes the job more difficult. You know, it gives you an extra step that you have to clear that other teams, if you hire a uh, head coach with an offensive background, don't have to worry about as much. But I'd make the exception for Vrabel. I would not make the exception for Pete Carroll, for Bill Belichick, for Mike Tomlin. I would, though, for Vrabel. He put that on a full display, I thought, on, uh, on Monday night and showed why. Right now, I think it's foolish to hire anyone but an offensive-minded head coach. But if you're going to make an exception, Mike Vrabel is that exception. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227. We were just talking about before head coaching options for the Chargers. Right now, as they, I think, inevitably uh, are getting set to fire Brandon Staley now that the news came down on, Mon- uh, on I should say on Tuesday that Justin Herbert got surgery. He's out for the rest of the year. That is a final nail in the coffin in terms of, I think, Brandon Staley's time in L.A., who should now be the next head coach of the Chargers? Five names. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Brian Dayball, Shane Steichen. Call four of those guys. Try to convince them, with Justin Herbert there, to come to L.A., convince the teams, however you got to do with players with picks, to get one of those four offensive geniuses on your team. I think if those four say no or their team say no, call up Jim Harbaugh. Guy's one at a high level everywhere he's been. You need known commodities if you are right now the Chargers. You've tried to go the Anthony Lynn route offensively. You try to go the Brandon Staley route defensively. The time for first-year head coaches or even retread head coaches is over in L.A. Massive hiring here. You've got to get right. For me, the only way you get it right is by going with a known commodity. So we're taking your thoughts here, 855-212-4227. At the best options right now for the Chargers, inevitable. Open head coaching job. Tony's call from San Diego. What's up, Tone? Hey, man. What's going on? First time caller. Oh, nice, man. Thanks for making it. What's on your mind? Uh, not much. I'll just chime in on the Chargers. I knew head coach. Um, I would say Eric Bienvenue from Washington. I know they got a new owner. I know he's probably going to clean house. 
Uh, he's a good offensive guy, um, a pretty hard nose. Uh, I think he'll be a be a good fit up in uh, L.A., um, and I'll take your uh, comments off there. I appreciate it, Tony. Thanks for making it, man. Thanks for listening and, and calling for the first time. I would say no. If I'm the Chargers, I'm not being Eric Bieniemy's first head coaching team. Again, it goes back to known commodity. Eric Bieniemy's having success with with the commanders. It's been a little bit up and down with, with Sam Howell, but they're throwing the ball a ton. But for me, it's look, he's been on what? 16, 17, 18 head coaching opportunities or, or interviews, I should say. I have no idea why he's not getting hired. I have no idea. But the, I am not going to be the guinea pig, if you will, to seeing, well, what was it that other teams saw that we didn't see? Again, for me, I'm going known commodity only. Ben Johnson, Lions offense coordinator, hot name. Going to be on everyone's top list whenever, you know, each team does fire their coach. I'm not taking a risk. He could be great. I got no idea. It also could flame out. And now when you swing a miss at Anthony Lynn, swing a miss at Brandon Staley, you've wasted now four years of Herbert's career. That extension is kicking in soon. So your ability to, again, make the roster better faster is only going to get more difficult as we go with more and more money being eaten up in the salary cap by Justin Herbert's contract extension. You got to get this right now. Now. And I'm not taking a chance with a first-time head coach and hoping it works out. This point, I am saying we got to get someone that I can basically as close to a guarantee as you can to get it right. And that's why I call Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Brian Dayball, Shane Steichen, Jim Harbaugh. To me, those are the five closest guarantees that you can get to, to success. I'm trying my best to make it happen. 855-212-4227. 855-212-4227 at Ryan underscore Hickey and the number three on Twitter. We'll continue to take your thoughts. And also, we just mentioned Brian Dable's name. Let's talk about it a little bit more. He, again, highlighted, I think, the, the importance of offensive-minded head coaches uh, yet again on Monday night. We'll explain why when we do return. But before that, I do want to welcome in and bring in Marco Bledi here. Hello, Marco. What's up, bro? You, like Nick Theodoro, big-time Giants fan. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming you've gotten swept up in Tommy DeVito fever. To a point, yeah. It's a hell of a fun story, yeah. Fun story. Local kid. He's winning now games. Giants now. Plav hopes slim but alive. Mm -hmm. Nick, so-called Giants fan, quote-unquote, has not seen his intake of chicken parm increase. Has not bought a chain with the initials NT to mirror the TD chain that Tommy DeVito and his family wears, has not gelled his hair back anymore, and is not, you know, doing the the trademark now, I'm sure, Tommy DeVito Italian wrist. Partly because I can't do it correctly, as I showed you earlier. Because yes. I can't turn my hands. <laughs> yes, you're right about that, but still, real fans would find a way to do it, Nick. Have you found yourself swept up in the DeVito fever where you are already Italian, but now you are embracing the Italianness even more? Ah. Uh, I don't. I, I guess no, because I never really wow. thought of it in that regard. But what are we doing here? I also have a, a lot of things that I don't need to embrace to already have it. I make cutlets like three times a week, so I was already, you know, we were yeah. already Belletti cutlets. I can't make cutlets anymore <laughs> than I make them. So I just had a cutlet with dinner. Like that's that's automatic. The I don't even know what it's called. This I make that I, that, that motion. I the make Italian. that gesture. I don't even know how many times a day. So I don't think it can increase. I, I So I have not added, but I didn't really think of it. Although DeVito and I are simpatico in a lot of ways. 
including the fact that he and his parents are from the, the hometown. It's where my wife grew up, and that's her hometown as well. So I know his area. Like, we have a lot in, in common, if you will. Are you upset with the fact that for the first time, if, like, people are treating Tommy DeVille like he's the first Italian to, like, walk this earth? Does that bother you a little bit as a paisan yourself? Um, no. I mean, it, it does. I mean, some of this stuff that they're leaning right into all the stereotypes, it is kind of like, you know, grain of salt I take it with. Uh, it could get a bit much if this continues. Hopefully it continues to ride into a playoff spot. But I will admit, after a while, it does kind of become like a caricature of what every Italian is. And uh, it does get a little stale and old. I, I also, I'm obviously not, I'm not a Giants fan. So I wasn't sure if that was just me or if that was how every Giants fan felt. It de- like It's a great story. And I'm glad Tommy DeVito and his family are getting 15 minutes of fame because mm-hmm. I'm assuming he's not get he's not gonna get this amount of attention again in his NFL career. Unless, unless I'm totally wrong here, I don't think he's Tom Brady 2.0. But with that said, it is like we get it. Like you're Italian, it's awesome, cool. It does it is a little annoying how basically it's like the first Italian to do anything. It feels like that's like how they're treating him, which to the point now, my last thing I want to ask you is this. His agent yesterday on the sideline went viral for the pinstripe suit mm, with black the, on black with, with the, the hat. hat with the was it a turtleneck i couldn't really tell what he was wearing i don't think it was a tie but no it was definitely not a tie it was a turtleneck with the cross outside yes and like you go stereotypical goodfellas meets sopranos in 2023 that's the look you got from from tommy devito's agent mm-hmm. a little bronx tale th- mixed in good call good right. reference that to me felt fake like it felt like a plant do you agree like do you think that was genuine like is that how he truly dresses do you think is that like or is that just Hey, we're Italian. Hey, buddy, this would be super cool in our only nationally televised game. Be caught on the phone not knowing, looking super Italian like an Italian mobster. Um, I want to say that's his genuine look that he leaned in a little bit more. I want to say that the hat is normal for him. What, fedora? Is that what I, I think yeah, that's right? that's fair. I want to say that's his normal attire. I think he went just a little extra, if you will. I don't think it's something where he's normally in a T-shirt and jeans and he put on this outfit and he never wears a hat, but he threw this on. Like, I don't think it's completely out of the realm. I just think he leaned in a little bit. And I think his whole family is leaning in a little bit. That's fine, though. Like I said, I mean, that's take your 15 minutes, run with it, enjoy it. It's a fun story. You never know when this is going to end. But, I mean, like you saw some of the tailgating. I, I don't think I've ever seen that many Italia gear, that much Italia gear, other than when Italy's playing the World Cup. It's just it's it no it's just not as prevalent if you will go to a giant game and see you know the Forza Azzurri with the blue with the attack like it's just not it's not automatic so I feel like they're leaning in which is fine but they're definitely leaning in three hundred cutlets apparently at their big tailgate yesterday and why do you think I mean again the Tommy cutlets thing they're leaning in and fine that's all fine the media attention and we're all kind of doing it too like it is overly stereotypical again it's fine for a <laughs> while. Uh, when it, it when it lingers for a long time, just like anything else, it'll become too much. We haven't crossed that barrier yet, but we're dancing at the line. Okay, all right. As a so, I guess uh, Nick, I'll apologize to you because I called you a fake Giants fan for not leaning in. Marco's not leaning in. I'll I'll, I'll put my hand up and so and Marco. When do you apologies. think they will cross the line? Like, it, are they like? Is it the first like, loss? Like, does, uh, this, does this continue until it's a loss? And then it's like, okay, enough. Well, that's the thing. I mean, it's just like, I mean, this is not Taylor Swift. So we're going to see her in the press box or whatever, the luxury box, no matter what game she goes to because it's Taylor Swift. We won't see the DeVito family if he's playing like he did against the Cowboys in his first start. 
I mean, let's be fair. We no, saw the DeVito family in the first quarter, on the first drive. They got stopped on a fourth and goal. We did not see the DeVito family again because the Giants got steamrolled. They get steamrolled. We don't see shots to the to the crowd. So they have to continue to win for the narrative to last. They get blitzed. He's 12 of 33 for 98 yards and three interceptions. I'm pretty sure we're not seeing the um, the agent in the end zone, and nobody's making the gesture. Nobody's talking about cutlets. They're talking about get this the hell out of MetLife Stadium. This season's over. And no one's kissing any cheeks. That's so, sure. yeah, that's what I mean. They have to continue to win. And will it become over the top and too much if they keep riding the victories? Yeah, but it's also the grain of salt with the Giant fans where it's like, look, if that gets you into the playoffs, who the hell cares? But we are, I, I would think the Italian Giant fan, I could speak for some of us, we do get after a while, it's just like, all right, we get it. We, we, we get it. I just but can't if you keep winning, team, it's okay. Team to run out to the Lazy Mary. Dun, da, 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 dun, da, 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 dun. And here they are, the pregame intros. Not just for Tommy, the entire offense. Add running back. Number 26, Saquon Barkley. If we're introing the team to the Tondell, I think I think it's time to, you know, if anybody's doing the, what is it, the duck? What was the other one? The quakwa? Is that a wedding? A lot of weddings. Okay, you got that one on That's what I'm saying. I've never been to a full Italian I don't think we need to go that route. We don't need to go down the entire rabbit hole. We get it. We get it at this point. When we return, we will highlight Brian Dable's tremendous coaching job. But before that, it is Ryan Hickey right here on CBS Sports Radio. It's Hick at Night with Ryan Hickey. That we do. It is Ryan Hickey on CBS Sports Radio. Speaking of 24-7, you want to hear my voice. You do one, God bless you. Number two, 24-7 easy. Two ways to do it. Hick at Night podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E. And also on YouTube, search Ryan Hickey, subscribe to the channel, Post a lot of video content as well on that page. So two areas of free content 24-7. YouTube, Ryan Hickey. Hick at night podcast, night spelled N-I-T-E. Okay, to finish off the Monday Night Football conversation here, Brian Dayball, I think of the New York Giants, highlighted the importance of having an offensive-minded head coach. What he is doing with Tommy DeVito right now is flat-out miraculous. You have a smart, offensive-minded head coach. You can overcome bad quarterback play. No disrespect to Tommy DeVito. Do I think that he's having this success with most other coaches? I don't. Do I think after this little run, he's going to be, you know, in the league for 10 years as a starter, take a team to the playoffs? I don't. But right now, Brian Dayball is getting the most out of DeVito and winning games. And that, I think, highlights if you have a great offensive-minded head coach, you are basically unstoppable. No quarterback injury can hurt you. Look at, you know, Shane Steichen, Colts are in the playoffs. Zach Taylor's doing a good job right now, keeping the Bengals in it. Kevin Stefanski's doing an A-plus job right now with all the injuries the Browns are suffering from, keeping them in it. Kevin O'Connell pushing all the right buttons to just get enough. Right now, out of their quarterback situation and still keep their playoff hopes alive, even though, even though Kirk Cousins is out. You, you can overcome so much bad if you have a great offensive mind head coach that, honestly, if you have a great quarterback but bad coaching, you can't overcome. Look at the Chargers. Brandon Staley, bad coach. Good quarterback, though, and Justin Herbert. Chargers, missing the playoffs. Josh Allen, good quarterback. Sean McDermott, I don't think... You know, I think he's slipping, not having a good year whatsoever. His hirings have been bad. 
uh, since Brian Dayball left, and now he's his own DC. Bills, out of the playoffs. Good quarterback, though, in Josh Allen. It just highlights it to me again. Well, if you're the Chargers, well, if you're any team right now, the head coach opening, you got to get it right, and you got to get it right with an offensive-minded head coach because they can overcome quarterback injuries. They could overcome bad offensive line play, bad wide receiver play. Whereas you have a good quarterback but nothing else, it's almost impossible to overcome. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Ryan Hickey on CBS Sports Radio. Do not fret. I will be back tomorrow, same place, same time, 6 p.m. Eastern, right here on CBS Sports Radio. A huge thank you to my guy, big-time Giants fan, who has now given me the Italian gesture, Nick Theodoro. Have a great rest of your night. We'll talk to you tomorrow. It's been Ryan Hickey with you right here on CBS Sports Radio.